Today, we're talking about something that's kind of a big deal, but most people have never heard of it. Here's a few hints. It's embedded in thousands of systems, including more than a billion smartphones for mobile navigation apps. It's critical for military and commercial uses around the world and is the standard for the U.S. Department of Defense, the U.K. Ministry of Defense, the North Atlantic Treaty Organization, and the International Hydrographic Organization. It supports navigation for submarines, satellites, and aircraft, while also informing operational logistics like the numbering of runways. And beyond navigation, it ensures precise orientation that supports applications in industries as diverse as energy and telecommunications. If you haven't guessed what it is yet, we don't blame you. We're talking about the World Magnetic Model, and this is geo-interesting. Earth is a large magnet thanks to its massive iron-nickel core. Both digital and analog compasses are oriented by the magnetic force at a user's location. This is where the world magnetic model comes in. The WMM is a joint product of NGA and the United Kingdom's Defense Geographic Center. It is produced by the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration and the British Geological Survey. The WMM is necessary because the Earth's geographic and magnetic poles do not align. So geomagnetic models, like the World Magnetic Model, correct for this difference. But this isn't just a one-time thing. As the Earth's magnetic field is constantly changing, the difference between geographic and magnetic north also changes and the WMM must be regularly updated, typically at five-year intervals, to account for the evolution of the magnetic field structure. Sounds fairly straightforward so far, but wait, there's more. Recent erratic movement of the North Magnetic Pole led to the release of an out-of-cycle update to the World Magnetic Model in early 2019. If you had tuned into the evening news in February, you might have heard something like this. NASA says the North Pole is actually moving. <laughs> That's right. Scientists say the Earth's magnetic North Pole is shifting. Compasses use polar points to help correct navigation systems. So how is this going to impact you, you ask? Well, it could make GPS services less accurate. Scientists released a new model to help ensure that the safe navigation for federal agencies like NASA, military services, and other consumer apps that rely on those GPS services. So, Paul... What does this mean? Yeah, it's kind of normal, right? It does right. happen. It does happen. So we're not talking about the axis rotation uh -huh. shifting, right. the actual north and south poles. Those aren't moving. Right. It's all the stuff under the earth that lets the compass needle go in the right direction. That's liquid iron and nickel, so it mm -hmm. kind of floats around a little bit, 2,000 miles under our feet. Incredible. So the pole, the magnetic pole, not the actual north pole, drifts around a little bit. For more on the world magnetic model, we're talking to two people that work with it every day in NGA's Office of Geomatics. Yes, we have one of those, and we're hiring. I'm Mike, I'm the uh, World Magnetic Model Program Manager uh, over in the Office of Geomatics based in St. Louis. Hi, I'm Angelique. I'm uh, the Assistant Program Manager for the World Magnetic Model, and I'm based out of NGA's East Campus, Springfield, Virginia. We'll be covering a lot of ground, so to speak including a recent $1.2 million challenge that they hosted, the 2020 World Magnetic Model update, and of course, who was the better magneto, Ian McClellan or Michael Fassbender? 
so stay tuned. So just to start off, can you tell me a little bit like how you came to NGA, like what brought you here? Uh, well, I did eight years in the Army and eight years as a contractor in various intelligence fields, but mostly imagery science um, and geospatial analysis. So after my last contracting job, uh, I applied and uh, this, this position actually aligns most to my Master's of si Space Science. So it's, it's been pretty fast paced and, and awesome. How did you how did you come to to NGA? Um, I suppose an unlucky circumstance led me here. So I graduated with my master's degree in astrophysics, pretty much the exact same year that they ended the space shuttle program in, at NASA. So that was my original plan: was you know graduate astrophysics, go to NASA, and have a career there. Um, and it wasn't until that was looking like it wasn't an option that I I was actually starting to be recruited by the CIA and I went into the IC career fair mm -hmm. to, to you know talk to the CIA people and while I was there I was just clicking around and I found NGA I'm like well what's this agency I've never heard of and it was actually the logo NGA's logo with the you know the earth and the, the satellite I'm like that looks space related <laughs> and so I clicked over and I found the office of geomatics or maybe they found me and now here I am and it's been five years and I haven't looked back well, I'm glad you didn't get any further to like NRO yeah. <laughs> to figure out what they did. So glad you stopped at NGA. <laughs> the World Magnetic Model, both of you guys work on that. Can you explain it in 10 words or less? Sure. All right. The World Magnetic Model is what allows you to navigate by compass. Okay, perfect. That's my answer. Yeah. It, Angel, you want to take a crack okay. at it? The World Magnetic Model tells you the difference between true north and magnetic north, so it gives you that declination because otherwise if you're traveling by compass, you're going to go towards true north instead of magnetic north, which is where the compass is pointing. This is way more than north. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> That's okay. What is the difference between true north and magnetic north? So if you picture a globe, like a classroom globe, uh, it's got a set north pole and a set south pole and you don't need to actually update that globe at any point you're not sitting there oh it's been five years better adjust our our classroom globe it's it's a fixed point the magnetic north pole unfortunately for us is not a fixed point and it moves around recently on the order of 50 kilometers per year so your compass is constantly pointing in a new location and so it, it's up to us in the world magnetic model to tell you the difference between that fixed geographic north and the moving magnetic north pole. Who uses the world magnetic model? Everyone. Billions of users worldwide. Because it's in everybody's smartphone. It's embedded. You, if you look through the legal notices, you can actually find WMM 2015. Mm -hmm. And soon it'll be WMM 2020. Beyond that, it's used by FAA. We've been on an airplane. Uh, you've been using the world magnetic model without knowing it. And of course, at NGA, you know, our, one of our major customers of military and it's all in all of their systems as well. Anyone who has a navigation or any kind of navigation system yeah. has it embedded in that system. Not just the US either, but it's the, the model used by NATO and our foreign partners in Australia, New Zealand, etc. What is NGA's role in producing the world magnetic model? Because we, we do, we're right. a part of that production. So NGA is 
uh, Office of Geomatics is the functional manager of something called the World Geodetic System 1984, uh, WGS84, which contains a couple of other things, but one of the main pieces of WGS84 is this world magnetic model. So it's up to NGA to make sure that this world magnetic model happens and it comes out on a, on a recurring basis. And who do we work with to produce it? So we have a partnership with NOAA's National Center for Environmental Information, uh, NCEI, as well as the British Geological Survey. So they actually do the number crunching and produce the model, and we manage over it, make sure that it adheres to the military specification and that all the users, the DOD users' requirements are met by the, the model itself. And so for the purposes of your smartphone, are the DOD requirements the same ones that you're going to find in your smartphone, or are they different? It's going to be the same model. The same model. Yep. Everything's, same. The, Everything's same. the same. Yeah, I mean, typically what will happen, I mean, we see this in geomatics a lot, is that the people who have the most strict, stringent requirements are the military, because mm -hmm. they need, you know, whatever accuracy to some extreme amount. And then when you're talking about finding a local Starbucks, if it's good enough for the military, it's going to be good enough yes. for you. I also need to have an extreme <laughs> amount of accuracy when I'm looking for my coffee. What happens if the world magnetic model is off? What happens if like the calculations are off or you guys don't adjust fast enough? So it, it's, it's small error that gets compounded over large distances. So if you think about, okay, I need to go... 90 degrees due east, but you're actually going 91 degrees due east, if you're only walking one foot, it's not that big of a deal. But if you're going a thousand miles, suddenly you're going to be in a very wrong spot. That's why we need to make sure and we update the world magnetic model every five years so that those errors are kept to a minimum. And they have to meet the military specifications. So if they go out of spec, then we will have to issue an out-of-cycle model. So last year there was something that the scientists call a magnetic jerk. Uh, now, the, the jerk didn't happen last year. It actually happened in, in some, some ways really the worst possible time. So we released World Magnetic Model 2015, and it took in all the data up, up until 2015. We released the model, and then it was immediately after we released the model that this jerk happened. And the jerk just means it's, it's a common thing. It it's happens every, every couple of years. It's just a change in the acceleration of the movement of the magnetic pole not a big deal, it's not a major crisis, but the way that the MAG model is set up is it's a predictive model. So in 2015, we say, here's where it is, and here's where we think it's gonna be for the next five years. And it just so happened right after we released it, it changed direction. So after a few years, our, our predictions were way off. And so that required us to look at, okay, what are the requirements? What are the needs of our customer? Is it off enough that it's going to necessitate an out-of-cycle update, and uh, the feedback we got was, yes, we would like an out-of-cycle update. And so the first time, this is the first time it's ever happened, as far as I know, that we, uh, we put out an out-of-cycle update in the middle, in between 2015 and 2020. So a magnetic jerk doesn't sound too scary. Uh, yeah. It sounds pretty normal, the way that you've described it. But if you research on the internet, everyone's like, it's going to be a geomagnetic pole reversal. Is there a possibility for that? If you ask the geologists, they'll tell you we are overdue for a geomagnetic pole flip. So yep. essentially, north and south will switch and your compass will be pointing the other way. But when they say they're overdue, it could happen tomorrow. It could happen in 5,000 years. Place your bets. 
or 200,000 years. I yeah. mean, it's, it's really, there isn't enough research behind it. Um, yeah, I, I wouldn't lose sleep over yeah. it because the current <laughs> consensus is it's not like, like a finger snap flip. It's more of a slow, over about 100 years, mm. the poles will slowly switch. And it might be really weird because you'll have North Poles popping up all over the place in the Southern Hemisphere and South Poles popping up. And you might have two North Poles at some point. So if, you know, they might have a North Pole in Africa and a North Pole in, you know, Australia. So if you're <laughs> sailing down in the Indian Ocean, you're going to be real confused. But uh... you're, blow you're blowing my mind right now. I don't even, what would it mean for like me trying to get my coffee in the morning? Uh, you might have some trouble. Until we, well, <laughs> when, you know, the world magnetic model catches up and figures it out, you'll be okay. Okay, great. You guys are on top of that. Yeah. Okay, perfect. So you just concluded phase two of the MagQuest challenge. Can you just briefly explain the challenge overall and what was phase one, what was phase two, and what the outcome is, is likely to be? It hasn't always been called the world magnetic model, but it's existed in some form or another going as far back as 1905. The United States has been collecting magnetic data to get us this answer so that we can navigate. We're in the satellite era. Historically, we've been using big, giant satellites that have a bunch of bells and whistles that everyone throws in their piece, and it's this, you know, bus. We're entering sort of a CubeSat era, where these, you know, everyone's got a small little satellite, they're a lot cheaper, a lot smaller, and, you know, they're almost like little dedicated missions. And so we've sort of been asking ourselves, okay, if the very first magnetic collector was literally a wooden boat that was, you know, built in the 1900s, it was sailing around until it burned down in 1929, uh, you know, what's the future look like? And so that's where we came up with this idea of MagQuest. It is essentially an open challenge. It was open to um, companies and academia uh, worldwide to submit what they think the future of the magnetic data collection will be. And NASA has been tremendous in helping us execute this challenge. We have a partnership with them. Uh, they have a center of excellence for collaboration and innovation solely focused on these challenges. And they have much greater outreach than we do. Everybody knows who NASA is. Not everybody knows who NGA is. So um, people get excited about doing a challenge for them. What does phase two just that just concluded Yes. So what, what's next? So, so phase one was, was just an open concept. Just literally whatever you think is a, is a good idea. It was a very sort of short submission. Mm -hmm. um, phase two was much, you know, we got a little deeper. It was a design. We did an actual design in the form of a 15-page document with optional appendix um, to really get into, okay, here's the specifics on how we're going to collect it. Here's the specifics on the system and all these other things. And that just finished up in September. We're currently working on the details for phase three, but uh, it's going to almost certainly be a closed challenge. So phases one and two were open to the public, uh, whereas phase three is just going to be limited to past winners. So it's sort of like a, a drawdown and a cutdown. The details we're still working out. Um, we don't have a launch date or anything like that, but uh, stay tuned. It most certainly will occur next year. Yeah. But. Can you guys tell me a little bit about like what the most exciting thing for you about working at NGA is? For me, it's kind of neat to be working on a project that's been essentially uh, ongoing for over a hundred years. Um, I'm just 
the most recent program manager in a long line. Now, of course, we didn't call it the World Magnetic Model Program Manager 100 years ago, but in essence, that's what it was. Uh, so to me, it's kind of neat to be involved in something that's you know, ongoing for so long. At least you weren't the, yeah. working on the ship that burned down. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Bonus. So I have two things. The first thing, I mean, I was in the Army for eight years, and so just being able to serve the warfighter, that's always awesome. And then the second part is just being able to work with so many different organizations, uh, both U.S. and international, is extremely exciting to me. I love the liaison position. We have a lot of people that we're working with, and it wouldn't have been possible without all of these different collaborative partnerships. So. Oh, yeah, we should also thank uh, the British Geological Survey, Yep. PGS. This is actually, they help and work with NOAA to produce the model. So mm -hmm. it's not just a U.S. product. It's actually, you know, a European-U.S. joint joint product. Anything else that you guys want to add about MapQuest, World Magnetic Model 2020? I'd say, uh, you know, we touched on a little bit, but stay tuned. The... World Magnetic Model 2020 will be out in December. Now, each individual person doesn't need to go and download it to their cell phone. They'll be much, much further upstream, someone else's job. Um, That'll be one of those like updates that gets pushed out in the middle of the night. You right. Know, right. Connected to your, uh, like, exactly. So yeah. there's you know, one guy at Apple or an Android headquarters <laughs> yeah. whose job it is. Hopefully they're listening to this, <laughs> and so they're, they're on top of things. Uh, and they can download the new mag model. The 2020 World Magnetic Model update is now available, ahead of schedule no less. And one of its coolest features is better guidance to navigators regarding blackout zones. A compass becomes increasingly unreliable as it gets closer to Earth's magnetic poles. So NGA has released a new set of blackout zones to aid navigators near the poles. NGA included shapefiles of these small regions in the 2020 release so the information can be automatically loaded into navigational systems, and navigators have more awareness of where they can trust their compass and where they should not. Thanks for joining the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency for another episode of our podcast, GeoInteresting. Like what you heard? Join us. Check out all of our current NGA career opportunities at intelligencecareers.gov. And this is one case where an intelligence agency wants you to spread the word. Tell a friend about GeoInteresting. Look for us on your preferred podcasting platform or on YouTube or read a transcript of the episode at nga.mil. The news clip in today's episode was courtesy of the CBS affiliate in Raleigh, North Carolina, WNCN. And just because you stuck around for the end, here's a little bonus content from Angel and Mike. Lightning round. Start off first one. Magna Doodle or Etch a Sketch? Magna Doodle. Etch a Sketch. Better X Men Magneto, Michael Fassbender, or uh, Sir Ian McLean? Sir Ian. That's <laughs> a no brainer. I mean, I kind of I'm a Fassbender fan, so <laughs> your favorite type of pool, magnetic or geographic? Magnetic. Magnetic. Yeah, I would hope you would yeah. say that. <laughs> Better movie about Earth's magnetic field. 2003's The Core or 2009's sci-fi classic Polar Storm.
If you don't know the plot points of either, both of them involve a disruption to the magnetic field and solving that problem with nuclear weapons. So I'm not trying to ask you about the veracity of the... I've seen the core. I think I've only seen the core. Terrible. Well, it did have one Oscar winner and two Oscar nominees in it, so it couldn't have been that bad. So I'm gonna go with the other one. The sci-fi, the polar storm. Yeah. Uh, just so you know, the plot: uh, when a large comet fragment ex- collides with the Earth, the planet's magnetic poles shift by ten degrees, with catastrophic consequences for the future of all mankind. What? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a that is a that is a movie that was made. <laughs> <laughs> I still think uh, Sunshine takes the place of the worst one, though. What's Sunshine? Oh, uh, that was, they had to take a, a spaceship to the sun to restart it. Otherwise, it was just going to just, just go out. <laughs> it was not good. And then they got, like, like space madness or something. Oh. It turned real, it got real weird. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, that's it. Thank you guys so much for talking with Thank me you. today. No problem. Yeah, awesome.